0: currency what is currency what is money it's anything that mutual parties give value to i could take this rubber band and say okay this is our, this is our currency james so let's add, give value uh, i'll give you one of these if you give me a dozen
1: eggs <laughs> in theory <laughs> you know i it's mean worth at least two rubber bands chris Come on. <laughs>
0: Chris McMillan here. This is another episode of TruthConduit.com. My guest today needs no introduction. I'm with James Corbett of TheCorbettReport.com, who is, as you say, James, in the sunny climes of Western Japan. I got to ask, as opposed to what? The miserable cold coast of East Japan. Is it really, is Western Japan really all that better than the rest of the country?
1: <laughs> it's funny because most people look at a map and go West Japan. <laughs> it's just this tiny sliver on the map. What does it matter? But it is an actual geographical distinction that's made here. And for whatever reason, there's uh, the Japanese railway, the national railway company is divided into West and East. And you have Coca-Cola West versus Coca-Cola East Japan. and Whatever else, so I picked up on that being a Western Canadian and thinking, oh, okay, I'm in the west of Japan just like I was in the west of Canada, it's a Western thing, and uh, also, yeah, sunny climbs because Japan does have a quite a range of climate, um, from Sapporo, Hokkaido in the north, which in the wintertime looks a lot like Canada, down to sunnier climbs in the south and the western side. So, I, I don't know, it. It was just something that I came up with, what was it, 15 years ago, (laughs) that kind of stuck. It was a nice little tag. I don't even say it that much anymore, but a lot of people bring it up.
0: (laughs) Very good. James, I've never been to Japan. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll be traveling again. I don't know. You know, it's crazy times right now. It's a fascinating time to be alive right now. it's what kind of actions can we be can we be taking you know we're in a community that we know what's going on so what can we do there's so much that we can do um the in 2010 you know about the the rockefeller published their rockefeller foundation uh scenarios for the future of technology and international development okay so all the rage has been their scenario called lockstep because it's coming true you know they predicted, predicted or created, however you want to argue, that, you know, the unvax are eventually going to be cornered into the most remote, whatever parts of society. And here we are. There's another scenario that I'm very interested in that ties in with something you've recently said. And that scenario is hack attack. Now, your prediction for 2022 was you think that the, your prediction was there's going to be a cyber attack for this year uh why why you think that
1: i have no particular single thing that is the smoking gun that oh they're clearly planning something other than to say that uh i think people who have been following this story for any length of time know that there is something up the sleeve and that it does make sense on so many levels from a would-be controller of society slash information's perspective to commit a cyber 9-11 or to allow one to take place or whatever it is again there could be many different flavors of that but a cyber 9-11 is what is needed to crack down on the internet as we have known it and yes it's the crackdown has already begun i granted in fact my 2020 story of the year no my 2020 my prediction for 2020 Going into that year. So in the end of 2019, my prediction for 2020 was that that was going to be the year, uh, something like the end of the internet as we've known it, or uh, something along those lines. And and I, I because I saw, oh, the 2020 selection circus is coming up and the whole Russian disinformation, Russian bot thing, and all of that was the 2016 selection circus. So 2020, it's going to hype up. This was all pre- pre-COVID and all of that, right? So I saw all of that in the mix and I thought, oh, something's going to happen this year. And by, lo and behold, by the end of the year, it was very apparent. Yes, the internet, as we've known it, is gone. YouTube is now cracking down and censoring people left, right, and center. And there's the big discussion about how we have to break up Facebook so that they can censor people more effectively and blah, blah, blah. So that's that's definitely already taking place. But I think this isn't it. This is not the end stage of what they're looking for. They really want to go... I I think they want to go full hog with this, and they can't quite do so under the current paradigm. Something has to happen, a spectacular, catalyzing event, like the events of 9-11. And every single time I bring this up, I bring up this fact, but I want to bring it up once again. At the Half Moon Bay Tech, Tech Conference in 2000, I want to say 2007, I stand to be correct, it might be 2008, Lawrence Lessig, a famous professor and uh, who uh, was part of the copyleft thing and all of that uh, creative commons. Um, anyway, he, he said, oh, I, you know, I was having a conversation with Richard Clark once, former counter-terror czar. And he said, and they were talking about the Patriot Act and how clearly the Patriot Act wasn't written in the month between 9-11 and October of 2001, right? Uh, obviously it was already substantially written and waiting for an event to come along and hey 9-11 and okay let's get the patriot act passed with the help of some anthrax diversion as well um and he said richard clark said yeah they have an i patriot act waiting for a cyber 9-11 it is already there it is waiting and i don't know any of the details of what that uh, i patriot act looks like but i could certainly imagine them we don't have to imagine that 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 much we already know that they want a driver's license for the internet look up that phrase it's been bandied about for years now and there have been various pilot programs and test programs coordinated by, via state governments in various states testing out what would this look like and can can the government issue some sort of id that could then be tied with your internet activity and blah 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 we know where this is going and eventually it's going to be the scan your finger or whatever to get on the internet that is where they want to bring it to so how do we get there some sort of cyber 9-11, some sort of massive and very, very obvious shakeup of society. In the same way 9-11 was a massive traumatic catalyzing event, same way the COVID scamdemic has been this massive traumatic catalyzing event, I think they need that for the internet space if they want to continue with the censorship regime. So... Do I know it's going to take place in 2022? Absolutely not. Will I dance the jig of joy more more haughtily than anyone else on the planet if I'm wrong about that? Yes, I will. And I will gladly eat my hat if it doesn't take place this year. But unfortunately, that means, well, maybe 2023. I think this is something we have to continue to be vigilant about and more importantly, be proactive about, well, okay, so what can we do to prepare for this? Knowing that this is something that they certainly do, a card that's up the sleeve that could be played at any time.
0: Exactly. Um let's imagine. Okay, it's 2023. You were right, James. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. How, <laughs> how are we talking by the way because I'm yeah. not scanning to get on the internet. Th- that's so. <laughs> a good
0: point. So, you were right. Here we are. It's 2023. We need to have uh have had the vaccine to even to get the uh the permission to even use the internet. Here we are. Let's reverse engineer this assume this is going to happen what steps could we be taking right now to possibly counter this or to create our own reality our own separate um thing going on in order to because like in other uh, in other um subjects like counter economics that's going on that's happening there are people taking um Doing agora markets, you know, in preparation for the the food supply to go. There are people taking steps, taking action in order to okay. They're, gonna, they're There's a war on meat. Well, we're going to raise our own meat. There's a war against um, against cash. Well, let's cash Fridays, right? So, what do you think? Uh, what ca- possible action could we be taking now in anticipation of this coming true?
1: Well, let's start picking the fruit off the tree in the most logical uh, way, the first, the lowest hanging, easiest fruit, and then working our way upwards as it gets more and more difficult, and we'll see what we can do about that. So obviously, this is something I'm going to be returning to in my Solutions Watch series, I think, over the coming year or years, or however long we have. Um, But I would say that the absolute first order, the first thing that everyone should be aware of is, okay. well, if you want your presence on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, okay do it but if you are relying on that if that is your one and only backup of your information consider it gone because it will not be there forever and it will be removed at a moment's notice i think everyone in your audience will know that by now but in case they don't here's the warning yeah do not put it and and i would say telegram and all of those places all of those third party sites where that want my phone number to sign up no thanks i'm not going to sign up for telegram i'm not going to sign up for signal i don't want any part of your controlled systems and platforms. If you do, all right, again, that's your choice, but I'm just saying, do not rely on it as a backup. So you want to have your own place, your host, your own site. Now, again, this gets more and more difficult and more and more potentially resource intensive, shall we say, depending how you want to do it. You want to host a free site on wordpress.com, for example, right? That's a a nice free way of hosting a website. Oh, but wordpress.com is very much censorship. Prone, and there are a number of people in the independent media over the last several years who've had their WordPress sites taken down by WordPress.com, which is why you should know there is a WordPress.org, which is a separate entity, which is uh, essentially it's the open source infrastructure for the, the website building template that you can use and host yourself that WordPress.com can't take down my site. I use a WordPress site, but it isn't WordPress.com hosted, so they can't take down my site. So we have to educate ourselves about the different ways of building a website, hosting a website, and then, yeah, how do you host it? Are you going to go with GoDaddy? Because, uh, again, they're probably going to be censorship prone, et cetera, and certainly more and more so as we step forward into this. So you're going to have to host your own architecture. Well, it would be great to have your own server not everyone can afford that. That's a lot of resources. So you have to work up to say, so, well, okay, can I, can perhaps we can have some sort of communal thing. There's a bunch of us that want to host websites. Maybe we can share a server, etc., cetera, et cetera. So you start building up that infrastructure, but then, well, what about uh, um, Cloudflare and all of these other sort of services that tie into your website and how it's distributed that could then be points of pressure that Gab and Parler and all these other places have experienced being delisted from Amazon web services and all of this. So you have to think about each and every node in your network and connections and, okay, this service, do I need this service? Is there another way to do that? Once you get all of that taken care of, well, okay, so then I have some sort of platform where I can broadcast out to the world until... I need a uh, driver's license for the internet. I need to have my health pass to get on the internet or whatever. So what do we do about that? Well, so the ISP level is going to be, oh, actually, I forgot one thing before we even get to that level. There's the domain name problem, because as people may or may not know, your server is, usually the actual address is just some string of digits that no one is going to know or bother to remember. So in order to get a human readable uh a name like corbettreport.com there's a, essentially a phone book for the internet the dns system where this string of numbers oh equals corbettreport.com who controls that phone book for the internet as it were well at this point i believe it is ICANN. Um, which I believe is now under the auspices of the UN as opposed to the US government, whatever. Anyway, it's certainly not in our control or our, our hands. So there are people who are working on various ways to decentralize the domain name system. So they can't steal, take your, literally seize your domain as the US government has done in the past with a number of sites. Of course, just those illegal pirating kind of sites, they would never do that for political purposes until uh, cyber 911 happens and then they have an excuse for it so uh they'll be coming for corporatereport.com and other domains like that in the future so well we can okay so we can let people know what our actual server address is so that hopefully they can reach that um in the event that corporatereport.com goes missing um is there a better solution for that well there are people working on decentralized domain names dot crypto addresses and other such things that don't rely on a dns system that rely on a blockchain that can't be can't, cannot be altered by some outside governmental ent- entity and things like that. There are a number of those types of solutions, and I'll be looking at some of those in the Solutions Watch series. And then we get, as I say, too, well, what if you can't even literally get onto the internet without some sort of pass? Well, how are they going to institute that? It's going to likely be at an ISP level. The ISP is going to be your barrier to getting onto the internet. Um, so, I mean, in the case of some average American, say with Comcast or whatever it is, what are you going to do? Comcast says, I need this card to get on the internet. Oh, well, I guess I'm stuck. Well, again, there are generally ways to connect peer to peer without having to go through internet service providers, assuming you have the infrastructure and are able to run your own internet server. It can be done, but again, it's a vast commitment of time and resources, perhaps something that, again, if you have a community of like-minded people, you can collaborate. And hopefully many hands will make lighter work with regard to that as well. And you will be able to, at the very least, access peer-to-peer services. It may not be the World Wide Web. Maybe you won't be able to access regular websites, but there's a whole world of IPFS and library and all of these other things that are also out there, but not so well-known. It's not the HTTP that everyone uses in their web browsers. It may be some other sort of system that you might need a separate sort of program to run. Um, Again, I'll like to be exploring those types of Web3, decentralized web ideas that are already operational to some extent and clearly not very well-known or populated at the moment. But again, as I say with absolutely all these solutions, if we don't build it up now, while we have the time space and luxury to investigate explore try things out oh that didn't work let's try over here if we don't do it now it ain't going to be possible let alone any better once the actual crisis hits so there's a lot of layers to this and it's not an Im- i don't think it's an imp- impossible problem but it's a big problem and it's as i say we need to start thinking about it before the crisis hits rather than after
0: you know, the cliche sayings, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Or where there's a will, there's a way. And I definitely think there's a will out there. Um, IPFS, uh, how difficult is it to get that going, to get your website? Normal guy like me, I want to get on IPFS. Uh, I know you've been doing it with Ernie Hancock for several yeah. years now. Um, uh, for even someone with the low tech uh, skill, high tech skill, like on a scale of one to 10, how hard is it to actually get your work up on IPFS?
1: Well, for me, it was one, because I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, it was <laughs> yeah. Mike Swadek and Derek Slopey and other people that Ernest Hancock works with, was platforming the corporate report on IPFS as kind of a, an example. This is what can be done, guys, and this is how we can do it. And even that has hit a snag over the new year, as I was just informed that my uh, sitemap on my, on my WordPress site has failed to, uh, suddenly broken. So now they can't just automatically scrape the data and and regurgitate it. So I think the latest IPFS backup at this moment is from April or something. It hasn't updated for months now. So, oh, okay, here's another headache that I have to deal with. So in reality, uh, it's yeah, it's not going to be easy for most people to to do this or wrap their minds about it, around it unless they are already somewhat technologically competent. Mike Swadok did have. And I'm—I haven't seen the latest iteration of it, but he did have some sort of step-by-step guide for getting onto uh, getting a, a IPFS website hosted. Um, so I will try to dig that up, and I can send you the link if you're interested in that. Um, yeah, it, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I again, I didn't do that myself, but it looked potentially possible. <laughs> well, put it that way. Again, depending—I mean, I know there are people as the old as the old saying was—they couldn't set their uh, the the. The timer on their vcr back in the day it was just flashing 12 all the time because they didn't know how to set the time probably not going to be able to set up their own <laughs> ipfs site right but this is it sink or swim and uh once again i this is why i keep coming back to this this point again if you're in a community of like-minded people hopefully you do have at least one technologically competent person who can help out with this sort of, oh, he's the tech guy and you can be the garden guy and someone else can be the accountant guy or whatever it is that you're going to set up your community to be like. But yeah, that's, I I think it's going to be important. This is why forming community with people who, uh, preferably in your geographical area with some of this competence will be increasingly important going forward.
0: There's a lot of networking going on around the world, particularly where I live. I'm in Northeast Texas, and there are a lot of groups uh, getting together, physically meeting up, coming up with ideas, creating alternate back trade routes. You know, if, if I need, you know, I get my meat from a friend of mine now, you know, for example, um, so it's all happening of the freedom cell network. I don't like to call it that, but <laughs> the networking is happening. right.
1: I get what you mean for the benefit of my audience. I know there's a lot of corporate report members in Texas. So how would they reach out and get in touch with you?
0: Sorry. What, what do you mean?
1: In terms of getting involved, I'm sure there are people in my community who are in Northeast Texas who would probably be interested in meeting up, finding other people in their community. Do you have a group or something that people can outwardly contact?
0: Yeah, I mean, anyone can email me if they're curious, Um, I can hook them up with, and you were, you were talking about Telegram earlier, and that is the main tool that they're using is Telegram, but they are aware, and there's a lot of debate, some, one group in particular uses Signal, okay, and it comes up quite often, the problem with Telegram, who owns it, so I think Everyone is aware. I have seen a lot of discussion about, okay, yeah, we know we're dancing with the devil. So that's important. It's kind of like going to McDonald's, okay? And if you think it's actually food, you've got a problem. (laughs) Then you're in problem, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. if you go into McDonald's. I I get what you're
1: saying. And let me put in my own two cents on that, because I I, I mean, when I first started, I signed up for a YouTube account and all of this stuff back in the day. And and I, I used to think I signed up before Google bought YouTube, but actually, no, I looked at the chronology. Uh, Google bought YouTube in, I think, November 2006. I signed up in 2007. So I I, uh, was always on YouTube and always with the 100% explicit knowledge, this is the enemy. And they're coming after me one day. And it turned out to be 2021 was the specific time they came after me. But I always knew that. And I always knew, Okay, I'm signing up in order to reach people that I otherwise wouldn't be able to reach. And, uh, you know, it's I'm reaching into the matrix to pull people out of the matrix. Um, so I get that that sort of, that, that space that people are in. Personally, now I'm at the point where I already have an audience and I don't want to reach out into that matrix any further because I, I've already put myself out into the matrix. I'm gonna start stepping away from the matrix as much as possible. If other people are putting themselves in, That's a choice that, again, I hope, as you say, I hope they're making that choice consciously. This is not real food. This is not real. (laughs) This is not a real platform. We shouldn't trust it. But at any rate, it's for the time being a less censored way of reaching out to people than, say, Twitter.
0: From what I've seen, the people, the the Freedom Cell groups that are using Telegram, they're very much aware that, okay, we can't, this platform may not be here for us, you know, where it's free, we are the product, but we're using it anyway until we can't. That's kind of the attitude that I've seen. Now, um, to answer your question from earlier, yeah, if there are any corporate report listeners out there who are in the Texas area who have not or not part of the Freedom Cell Network and might be interested in getting in touch, they can email me um, at truthconduitautonomy at gmail.com. Um, if there happen to be anyone out there that, are, that still uh, that hasn't heard of both both things yet, it's possible. So we've got, there's also the Voluntarists of Dallas group, and they're quite active. So it's all happening. Speaking of solutions, your solution series, um, you did a great recap of it recently one thing that surprised me i hadn't really thought about it i didn't think to myself what's the most important one to james but you mentioned it was the spontaneous picnics and that kind of ties into what we're just talking about um well my question is why did you pick the spontaneous picnic as being one of the most important uh series or one of the most important topics that you covered in your series last year
1: uh, precisely because not only does that represent resistance pushback protest uh uh, a saying no to the tyranny that is encroaching, which all of which is important and can take many, many different forms. The most obvious the marches, the protests, the physically going out on the streets and demonstrating that no, I'm not going to stand for this. And in the case of the Netherlands and other places, being brutalized by police in order. To, to make that point. So I, I think all of these forms of resistance and pushback are important and are to the good. And I would never discourage anyone from using any sort of civil disobedience in any form that they think is appropriate. But the one that I think most, most accurately reflects my vision for the way forward, rather than simply pushing back, begging for more scraps from the master's table, saying, oh, no, please don't do that to us, more important is the mindset of, OK, whatever. Bye-bye. We're going to do our thing over here. I don't need to beg for scraps from your table. Here's my table. And I'm going to share it with other people. And we're going to form that. And that is the literal sort of picnic on the street idea. Instead of going into the the bars and, and restaurants, oh, please let me in. I know you don't want me in there because you think I'm an unclean person or whatever, but please let me into your establishment. No, it's a big giant F you to that establishment and saying, no, we can build our own thing. And that to me, that's the reflection of the mindset. And of course, that particular thing, a picnic on the street is not in and of itself transformative and going to change the world, but it's the mindset of we don't need them. We are going to build something for ourselves that to me is the way forward here.
0: What are some uh, some other examples of that? Okay, we don't need them. Let's do, we're going to eat outside on the street. And other, let's spread out. Let's go to other topics um, that people, again, can take action with and prove that they don't need something that they probably previously thought they did need.
1: Yeah. In fact, I was just talking about this on another program. And there were some examples came up. One of them, um, I, I find it actually quite hardening to find that I, I think it was... 11.4 million people quit their job in the U.S. in November or whatever the latest stats are, from the latest month of stats. Um, there has been a mass wave of people either being forced out of their jobs or quitting their jobs, some of them undoubtedly under duress of and threat of, oh, you're going to get the mandate. But and, and that can be a horrible, devastating thing. I fully understand that if you have been forced essentially out of a position because uh, because of your Uh, reluctance to put experimental medical technologies in your body, I I fully sympathize with that. And the fact that, yeah, it's suddenly, how am I going to provide for myself and or my family? It's hugely disruptive. But again, looking at the other side of that coin, it is the chance for people who have been found themselves, perhaps stuck in a situation that they did not ultimately want their life to be going in. Well, this is the time if there is ever a time to be able to sort something out. So now again, it's sort of, it's reflective of what I've been saying for a long time. None of the solutions or ideas that I'm talking about now are fundamentally any different than what I was saying pre-scandemic. All of it is the same thing. It's just, we should have been doing it back then. We should have been doing it even further back then. Myself included. I'm not sitting here on a, on a cloud with all of this, but I, I at least structured my life so that I was not dependent on some corporation that's going to allow me to and my family to live if I do what they say and jump through the proper hoops. I have managed, and trust me, I am very aware this is a blessing, but I've managed to build up an audience that will support me directly and that will allow me to do this work without having to... Comply to medical authority tyranny and such things, and that those types of opportunities are out there. And exactly what we're talking about with finding community and meeting like-minded people and forming those community groups; those are the ways that we're going to find ways through this. So, I think employment itself, the most one of the most fundamental questions of most people's existence: how am I going to put food on the table? We should be thinking not in terms of you know, can I go beg for oh please, Mister Musk. Please, Mr. Zuckerberg. Please, Mr. Bezos. Give me some sort of menial position in your giant corporation. I'll do whatever you tell me to do in order to take that position. No, no, no. We create our own economy in every sense. So I'm really thinking from ground up. Absolutely everything is on the table for this type of restructuring. Easier said than done. I, I get it. This is not going to be easy. And uh, people, you know, I'm not going to make judgments of what people have to do in order to feed their family and. You know, you might have to make compromises and things along the way. But again, I think the general mindset, the idea, we don't need to beg for them for our our means of subsistence, for our living. We will find a way forward together if we have community. It keeps going back to that fundamental question. Do we have community with other people or not?
0: The, you know, you know what I'm gonna say next, James. The autonomy community, they're doing that. Richard Grove is teaching people. The, what he calls his 19 skills and autonomy is doing very well right now. People are doing just what you said. We're getting people who have quit their jobs, who are looking to expand their skill set to work on those skills that we were never intentionally taught in school to yeah. look for other sources of income. And people are doing it over there. It's happening.
1: That's awesome. That really is so important. And it's interesting to me that that is so denigrated in certain parts of the independent media, like, oh, entrepreneurialism and trying to provide services that other people might want to buy from you. Oh, you're an icky cigar and capitalist or something. No, I, I don't think so. I think these are people who are trying to find a way to actually help other people and make a living doing it. And I see nothing wrong with that. That is the way forward rather than going cap in hand to some billionaire bankster and begging for a job from their corporation. Yeah, I'm fully on board with that.
0: Another solution that you've talked about quite a, a bit is survival currency. You want to talk a bit about that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of the ground level for all of this. If we don't have some sort of alternate alternative way of transacting with each other other than whatever the fiat currency of the moment is, and let's remind ourselves, it is a moment. This fiat currency is, of the Federal Reserve notes has, has only really existed for a century, even even then, it hasn't existed in this particular form, um, all of that century. So um, people who are interested in that, actually, they should go check out probably a neglected uh, podcast from my archives. I did a um, presentation to the JFK Lancer conference, I believe in 2020, about the JFK silver certificate myth, and what that actually was about, and the Federal Reserve notes, and what kinds were issued under what presidents and all of that. It's It could sound boring, but it's actually really, I think, fascinating because there's monetary history is such an important and neglected part of history itself. Having said all of that, what I'm trying to gesture towards is that the Federal Reserve notes, the pieces of paper that aren't paper that are in your wallet that you think of as money is not going to be the form of money that money will take forever. And uh, that change may be coming a lot sooner than a lot of people think because central bank digital currencies are coming. They are being tested in place after place after place around the world right now. I've written about this before. People who are interested in that just type CBDC into my search bar and you can find a lot of reports on that. And this is the nightmare. This is the nightmare because once they control the currency at the level where you cannot just go up to someone, hand them some cash, get a good and go home. And no one no one in the outside world has to know about that transaction, right? Well, that that luxury is fast disappearing as most people already use electronic payments of some form or other. And once it gets to the central bank digital currency level, again, all you really need to really wrap your mind around this, the gravity of this is that one minute clip of um augustin karstens the the uh, executive director of the bank for international settlements from a conference call uh with uh, it was an imf hosted event that they were doing um i believe in 2020 i I, i've played it several times i know it's made its round on social media but augustin karsten was sitting there salivating just absolutely wetting himself with excitement over the possibility that You know in times past we don't know what a hundred dollar bill gets issued and we don't know what happens it just goes around and circulates and maybe gets deposited into bank but in the future with the central bank digital currency we'll be able to see every transaction and not just monitor but actually allow or disallow transactions at the central bank level the central banksters will be able to literally control who is allowed to buy and sell what you are allowed to buy and sell when and where you are allowed to buy and sell oh sorry your city is under lockdown right now so you can only transact within 1 mile of your house or whatever you know whatever they come up with they'll be able to institute electronically at a push of a button and if you have no other way of transacting other than that that fiat that they're giving you then oh well i guess starve too bad for you right no 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 so that's this is the One of the most important issues and one that most people don't even think about, they take it so much for granted, um, which is why Cash Friday and all of that that I've talked about in the past is so important. But moving forward, survival currency will be needed as a stepping stone toward what I'm talking about, creating the alternative structure and some sort of other alternative economy. That's a grandiose project with an alternative monetary system that hopefully will not just be local and not even just regional, but eventually international. would, you know, wouldn't it be great if, you know, you and I can transact through some sort of alternative and all of that, setting up the infrastructure for that. That's a monumental generational task. I'm not pollyanna about our, our possibilities there, but at the very least we start with survival currencies. If, if I were to be deplatformed platformed from the, the monetary system tomorrow, how would I transact? Who would I transact with? In what way? In in what form? <clears throat> so I laid out in that podcast you're referring to, I laid out a, a number of different things that have been proposed in different times by different people, some of which I think are feasible and practical. Some seem more pie in the sky. But at any rate, I hope people are trying them out. I hope people are thinking about this. I hope people in their community groups, whatever form they may take, are actively talking about this because... I'm telling you, this is coming in the coming years. And a lot of people do not have their eye on this ball.
0: And it's been done successfully in certain places, certain areas, hasn't it?
1: It has. Yes, To, I mean, there's always caveats and limits on it. So I pointed in that survival currency. It's been a while since I I revisited it. But um, I did talk about the the miracle of Weigel? Weigel? I can't even remember. Um, Which was this, uh, uh, oh, memory's going to fail, Austrian city that uh, was issuing its own currency in order to basically circumvent uh, controls on on the national currency at that time. And in the midst of the depression, while, (coughs) while people all around were starving to death in the streets, this 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 small town was able to flourish and sponsor a bunch of projects and really build up until the national government came in and shut it down. So there's a number of things we could learn from that story. One is that, yes, survival currency can help you through a crisis. Another is If it does, the Eye of Sauron is going to be trained on you, obviously, and is going to come along to try to disrupt that and regain control. So we might have to think a little bit smarter and harder about ways that we can defend against what may be coming when the inevitable attacks start. But then some people will use that as an excuse to never do it in the first place. Well, they're just going to come in and shut it down anyway, so let's not try. Oh, that's the way to win. That's the way to defeat the bad guys is just don't, don't resist them. Just roll over and die. Come on. No, uh, obvious stupidity, but no one ever fills in the blank on that. They always just say, well, but they're going to come in and shut it down dot, dot, dot. So, so don't try at all. Or maybe we can find ways that we can continue to persist in this. Um, anyway, there, so there have been successes and success stories in various times and places. There has obviously not been the answer, that, you know, the, the thing that has sw- swept the world. I mean, I guess the closest in our recent memory would be cryptocurrencies But as anyone who's been following the cryptocurrency space, especially for the last five years, definitely will know that space has been thoroughly corrupted by and co-opted by Wall Street interests and people who see the dollar signs. And I do stress dollar signs that are involved here. It's not about the ability to trade and transact outside of the banking system. No, no, no. It's about, hey, here's a new way to make more dollars out of crypto investments and unfortunately the space has been thoroughly polluted but that doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater there's still valuable things that can be done there
0: james do you ever uh, do you ever use trello have you ever heard of that
1: i've heard of it but i know i i haven't used it
0: So, um, well, first of all, I want to comment that um, everything you're talking about, you know, uh, you mentioned people searching your search engine. They won't have to. Everything that I'll go back through this interview and all the links and show notes that come up, I always add down there. So if someone hears something, they just look down, put their eyes down and they're like, oh, there we go. And they can just click on it. I make it as easy as possible to for people to get access to whatever they hear being talked about um Trello it's a it's an online organizational tool it's uh it's all these lists that go across the board but I've created a Trello board it's an open source solutions board so what it is is um you it's got all the solutions right now I've gone through and I've made a board I'm just getting started I don't know exactly what i'm doing but i'm doing without making excuses and at first i was thinking i'm going to make it where it's view only now i was talking to uh my friend helen in in uh, autonomy she's right she does the newsletter for the grand theft world and podcast and she's like it doesn't seem like there's a way maybe there is a way but my point is she said well maybe it's better if just make it open source let people go in and edit it and i'm like yeah of course um but I, to avoid trolls, and when trolls get in there and mess it all up, I have limited it to subscribers only for my website, so right. subscribers can get in there. But every every Grand Theft World newsletter section on solutions is in there and i have recently added all the uh solutions watch from the corbett report so far those are the two solutions now i plan to add more i know um, jack spirico's got a solution section and they will they can overlap and eventually people can just keep adding to it and hopefully it will be still you know i've um it's in categories at the moment it's um food and water independence finance networking community agorism transportation communication communication skills censorship escape avoid the matrix i
1: would recommend adding uh, pirates without borders uh to that uh, list of sources because they have uh, i think he already has it broken into communications energy other sources excellent
0: yes of course ernie has got so much energy i had the pleasure of visiting his his place in uh, fall of 2019, I was in Phoenix. So I went by and he gave me the tour of his place. And speaking of IPFS, he had all these machines and they were just going and going. And I was like, what, what is this? What is all this? What is all this? And he was showing me all these. Uh, Anyway, he was, uh, he had a lot of energy. It was an impressive tour. I was very honored to, uh, to get that visit. Um, Well, I'm working on that. This is an so you're saying this Trello board
1: was view only, but now it's editable by members?
0: no it i never could get it it was view it's viewable only if i got their premium package and and then i thought well do i want to do that i think open Mm -hmm. source is better so that's what i'm going with it's the free it's free Uh, a lot of people um that i work with in autonomy and elsewhere we use it it's very effective and the only drawback is um you you click on the link you need to have trello a trello account so Mm -hmm. you'll sign up and you'll get trello on your device so that may not go down with everybody i don't know like i said i, I um, would at the very least ex-
1: have second thoughts about it i must admit <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah like i said yeah. um i'm looking forward to getting people's feedback to see if this takes off or not but an open source ultimate solutions checklist i don't see how we can there go wrong there may be with something
1: that. like out that out there that is genuinely open source like an open yeah. source trello you know what i mean yeah or there should be someone should be working on that
0: the uh yeah the solutions are infinite talking about currency though if you think about it i mean currency what is currency what is money it's anything that mutual parties give value to i could take this rubber band and say okay this is our this is our currency james so let's add, give value uh i'll give you one of these if you give me a dozen eggs <laughs> in theory <laughs> you know
1: it's worth at least two rubber bands
0: chris <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing I mean, as long as if people understand that basic concept about what money is, it's anything that's given value by people who agree on it. Uh, There's nothing I I don't see how it can ultimately be stopped when it when the will and the need really, really starts to become real.
1: Yeah. On Uh, that note, um, I will once again recommend uh, Debt the First 5000 Years by um, Graeber, David Graeber. Okay. no,
0: I, I haven't heard of that book.
1: Uh, I I would highly recommend it because I like the way, uh, because in the monetary space, as soon as you put your toe in that water, you're going to get a thousand people trying to bite that toe off. No, this is the only way to look at money. This is the only way to look at money. This is it. This is the dogma. You must agree with this or else you're a shill, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's an incredibly shark infested pool, unfortunately, but then the first 5,000 years was probably the best way of sort of looking at money from many different perspectives without being dogmatic about it. But yes, I mean, it's important to understand for the people, only gold is money and nothing else could ever possibly be money. Well, uh, most of those people, A, are basing their uh, ideas about how money ar- arose in the first place out of a fable that is not actually a uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Archaeologically accurate. There is actual archeological studies that show the first forms of money and how it arose that has nothing to do with this fable about, we were all living in barter, but I couldn't barter my cow for a dozen eggs, so, what am I going to do? Chop off one leg of the cow? No. So we had to come up with money. That's a total fable. It, that never existed. That is not how money arose. So if you start to understand how money actually arose, what it has actually been used for in various communities, and uh, the ways that it could, we start to be able to, I think, better perceive the ways that it could be used, um, ap- apart from the dogmas. And I know there's so many people out there that are so attached to this guy or that that idea or only this is money. and they're all wrong, (laughs) all of them are wrong because I think it's many different things and can be used in many different ways. And that was part of what I was trying to stress with survival currency is that if you're going into it dogmatically and as a purist, I will only ever barter in precious metals and that's it. Then, you know, good luck. I I hope you're successful with that. I don't know how successful you're going to be if you're not adaptable to the changing circumstances. There was a
0: video I saw a few years ago that blew my mind and I was never able to find it again. It was something about using mutual aid. Um, It was in the medieval markets and they had a Mm. stick system where they were making marks on that. Yeah. Yeah, Do you you know anything about that?
1: Uh, Yes. So that was uh, talked about in uh, the Money Masters documentary. It was also um, Paul Grignon did uh, a, a couple of animations about the the medieval market kind of thing that you might be thinking about and Paul Grignon had uh, his money as debt documentary series and I really like that series Um, it's really a shame because the first one got some attention way back in the day when it was released in 2006 or whenever it was released the second one not so much attention the third I think I'm the only person who's ever seen it maybe (laughs) but the third one is it starts to get really dense but really interesting talking about self-issued credit and that's such an incredibly important concept that I, I unfortunately very few people know about. But I, I would highly suggest checking out that series if you haven't yet.
0: It's definitely something I want to learn more about because, again, if it comes down to it, that could be a solution. I just uh, I don't remember the details of it, but my mind was blown. Thank you for that very much. I will might be able to find that and learn more about that concept and maybe add it to my solutions board. Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, I no, don't we know. We
1: tally sticks from the king. <laughs> That's <laughs> what we need.
0: <laughs> James, uh, what's the level of? that street level you go outside where you live now what's the level of tyranny right like in japan right now i mean as far as mask mandates and vaccine passports are they talking about it what's going on in japan right now
1: so at this point the tyranny is 100 percent horizontal um i can't think of a single vertical instance of tyranny in japan at this point um, there's no lockdowns there's no mask mandates There's no vaccine mandates. There's no vaccine passes, health passes. I might have to correct myself on that. I did see something about some restaurants in Tokyo were apparently recently trialing, trialing some sort of vaccine passport system or something. I haven't seen any of that in my area. I haven't. And the previous, uh, I believe it was the previous health minister or Corona Mer- cabinet minister or something um, had said we will not be doing vaccine passports. Unfortunately, the person who just got in as prime minister, Kishida, had said on the campaign trail last year, or earlier this year, whenever that was, uh, he had said that well we might have to look into that for you know businesses to function or something. So I think it's going to come at some point. But for surprisingly for me, Japan has not been a top down authoritarian biomedical tyranny state yet anyway. Um, But as I say horizontally, um, mask wearing is as as close to 100% as you can get. Um, You go walk down the street, you will be lucky to spot more than a couple of people who aren't wearing a mask. So it is just universal almost. That is part of the culture here. And Since I've only been here since 2004, I don't know. I mean, as long as I've been here, people wear masks during cold and flu season and hay fever and things like that. So it's not it's not completely foreign to Japanese culture. But I actually recently got an email from someone who had a link to a some sort of um, it was like a, a study in some sort of biomedical medical journal or something that uh, was looking at the history and, and the of the culture of mask wearing in Japan, which apparently only dates back to the 1990s. That was when it was really became part of the social norms here. So I I think of this as something that's just always has been here or something. But no, it was some sort of cultural norm that was brought in.
0: Well, could that be because of all the pollution that was going on in Tokyo, perhaps?
1: I, I forget what the study was pinning it to there was some sort of event or something that was taking place in the 90s but I don't remember the details of it I'll try to dig up that that reference because I did save it so I'll I'll send that to you if you're interested yeah I'd appreciate that Um, yeah but essentially yeah mask wearing is almost universal here almost all the time
0: so you don't have any trouble getting a gig with your band then you go to the local area how's that how's it going with your band you still getting together you still playing you're doing gigs
1: we did. We just did one just before New Year's, and had actually a couple of people come down from Kyoto to see us, um, who only know me through the website, wanted to check out the band, so they came down and maskless came in and vaccineless came in the door and enjoyed the gig. That's
0: great to know. No, it's good to know. It's not so bad here either in Texas where I'm at. Um, even during the peak of as bad as it gets during when there were mask mandates, you know, if you unless you live in the big city and you nobody no there was no there was no there wasn't much compliance outside the big cities that a little bit i'd say 50 50 in some places you go maybe yeah. 30 30 70. um but anyway uh yeah we're both lucky to be to not be in california new york i should Austria, address something i know
1: i i know something was going around recently about um japan and ivermectin and uh you know they eliminated covid through ivermectin or something uh, essentially fake news. There was the Tokyo medical association chief who did come out, um, I, earlier this year and say that he recommended, he thought ivermectin should be made part of COVID treatment here. Um, as far as I know, that was never, that was never officially implemented. It's not a part of the, uh, official medical, um, protocol for COVID in Japan, um, I think ivermectin is available here, but it is not. Pers- it's not for that purpose. It's not prescribed for COVID, as far as I know. Um, having said that, COVID, COVID, whatever it is, disappeared essentially from Japan, and we're down to five cases a day in the entire country, or something, for the last couple of months. Until. There was a cluster outbreak at the U.S. base, uh, armed, armed forces base on in Okinawa. Ah, those and dirty Americans! Exactly. And so now, because of that cluster, now there's a huge cl- or a growing cluster of cases in Okinawa and Tokyo, and they're starting to report the numbers going up again. So who knows? Oh, it's the sixth wave. We're all doomed. Oh no! But um, anyway, uh, a lot of that what you've been hearing about ivermectin has solved japan's covid problem or something it's just fake news unfortunately
0: the most news i get from japan actually is you know whatever you happen to mention on your podcast mm, yeah. so <laughs> i don't yeah yeah uh, it is a my daughter is uh right now obsessed with anime she's always telling me about japan now she's learning mm-hmm. japanese uh and she knows that james corbett lives in japan so <laughs> that's you know who knows maybe if the world I don't know. Maybe we'll be able to get on a plane again one I day. I would James. hope I will
1: be able to deliver a souvenir to you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's looking bad right now, but yeah. um, that it's was, a fun time to was be alive. That one of
1: the most frustrating things for me throughout this entire generated crisis was the post office. To the point where I have avoided it, I have not gone to the post office in several months because as I detailed last year, I talked about it on the program, It literally has gotten to the point where to send international parcels or mail, um, you need to sign up for an account on the post office website and either download their app or use their printer to print out your form or whatever. Like back in the day, you stick a label on something, you pay the postage, and away it goes. Not no more. No, no, no. Now you have to register and sign in and have an account and use their special app to make their special printout in order to send something through the mail. It's exceptionally frustrating. And of course it's because of, you know, COVID restrictions and, you know, planes are getting delayed and things like this. Yeah, right. They were planning this for uh, the, the infrastructure was already there and this is the crisis they needed to implement it. And it's just, it, I know it's on the big scheme of things. It isn't the biggest thing in the world, but it's such an insight into the world that is coming where everything we do is going to be regulated through digital apps and other things that will allow you or disallow you from taking place in society. And of course, at first, disallow, everyone can do this. So you just sign up for his account at the post office website. What's the big deal, James? Yeah, because that's the way this is going to play out 5, 10, 20 years from now, right? Right? If things keep going along this course, we know where this is heading. And we know if we continue to comply and sleepwalk into this, we know where this is going to go and it's just it's so heartbreaking to me to see most people going along with it
0: that's very interesting that japan i've never heard of that happening and there's no way around that so Mm. it seems to me that they they take these entities and maybe they're slowly introducing them discreetly here and there
1: I have the whole explanation thing here sitting on my desk where it's been sitting for several months now because I just, I can't even bring myself to look at it. I just, (laughs) it really rankles me. It's the digital gulag and it is being slotted into place as we speak.
0: Yeah, it's like they're discreetly sticking in uh, tyranny here and there. But you, if you did, because it makes sense. If you did it all in the same place, oh, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, because I mean, here in the US, I consider, I mean, it sounds like the US has got a lot more restriction. Well, the US is a broad generalization, but you know, I can still go to the post office and slap a sticker. I did went there today and interesting to know. Right. Yeah. James, what are you working on nowadays? What's what you got down? What's your latest projects? What's going on? If you dare if you dare want to talk about it
1: yeah of course um so um people who have been following my work know that i've been doing a series of documentaries on the history of al-qaeda the first two parts of which have been released so if you haven't seen that i would suggest that you go and check it out it's corporate slash al-qaeda it's uh currently i think three and a half hours it's going to be at least another hour and a half maybe more uh in part three so it's pretty detailed and the longest documentary i've done so yet and it's not even finished so i will be doing part three in in this coming year and i'm not going to say when because uh, the part two took an awful lot of work and an awful long time and brock was working around the clock on editing that one so that was that was quite a project anyway that is coming in this year and uh also i did a online course for renegade university last uh, november on the history of mass media. There was a lot of really in- interesting, fascinating information I dug up there, but unfortunately only a few dozen people <laughs> essentially have seen that information so far. So I'm gonna be doing something with that, expanding on that in maybe podcasts or something like that. Um, and also the World War I documentary that I did in 2018 People might remember, if they can cast their mind back that far, it did end with a to-be-continued. Yeah, <laughs> so the, World the, next...
0: One, the World War One conspiracy, it was called.
1: Yes, exactly right. Uh, CorpReport.com slash WWI. Um, it was a three-part uh, documentary on World War One. obviously. Um, well, uh, there is a to-be-continued on that. And the original plan was for me to work on that in 2020 until 2020 became 2020. <laughs> So who knows, maybe if uh, Cyber 9-11 doesn't happen this year, maybe I'll get get around to continuing that series.
0: Very good, James. Well, as I mentioned before, everything we've talked about, I will put in the show notes and the links. I will link all of this. Um, We can wrap it up now. Do you have any final thoughts before uh, you start in your day there on January Uh, 7th?
1: Not other than to say that I think we've touched on the important points that need to be talked about. Number one is finding and forming community this this is the time. There is no better time and there never will be. So start doing it now. And I'm all on board. I'm very interested in autonomy, in uh, in the, your Trello board, all of these resources. I'm looking forward to checking out the links myself. And of course, if you send this conversation the link to me, I will absolutely let my audience know about it. Thanks a lot, James. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Walking down the street children, play, for them,
0: it's just another day. The future's reflected in their parents' faces. They chose to stay on in this place where they were born, went to school, got married, and kids like their grandparents before them did. Got to escape, you know, before it's too late.
1: You've been listening to truthconduit.com with Chris McMillan. Go to the subscribe page and sign up to get notifications of the latest posts. And check out the support page to help keep it going. Yeah, I've got a friend in Jesus Christ. Friend in Jesus Christ and Krishna and Buddha and my bartender. Have you found that your skills aren't matching up with the challenges ahead? Here are 19 essential skills for success that school never taught you. Get your free copy by following the link below. Or visit getautonomy.info slash 19 skills.